welcome to the How to Love the Shit Out of Life podcast. I'm your host, Sally Ann Hurley, and I'll be loving the shit out of a variety of topics with you. I hope each episode brings you insight, inspiration, and positive vibes. So let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Love the Shit Out of Life podcast. So on today's episode, we are going to be talking about loving the shit out of being a sports fan with the wonderful Arabella Zucchetto. So welcome, Arabella. Thanks for having me. That's okay. So Arabella, uh, you are a passionate sports fan who, like me, loves the Newcastle Knights. Uh, You're also a big fan of American football and you support the Seattle Seahawks. So I thought maybe to start off with, we could get you to talk a bit about how you came to fall in love with, I guess, those teams specifically, but also sport in general. It's really interesting because I didn't grow up in a family who really watched or followed sports. Mm. Um, So that wasn't really my upbringing. It wasn't something for me that I really did much of in school either, other than obviously the mandatory stuff. But with the football, with NRL in particular, um, I love sharing the story. My aunt um, obviously married my delightful uncle. Yes. Um, He grew up in Kempsey, the mid-north coast. Yeah. um, Which meant that the team that he supported was Newcastle. So I used to, yeah, so I used to. He's a good man. He is a good man. Look, I used to, actually, I still do. I'm really close to my auntie and uncle. Um, but it was like a regular weekend thing where we'd sort of go on a Friday or Saturday night over to their place. And inevitably, Friday, Saturday night, TV was on the football. Mm. And most of the time, it was the Knights games. So that was really my first kind of at about 11 or 12. Yeah, seeing the games. And I just kind of, Newcastle just became my thing. You know, so I like grew up in an area that as well, like I'm in sort of the Canterbury-Bankstown area. So yeah. most of my school friends went for the Bulldogs or Parramatta or St. George. Like they were the most common teams to support. So I think yeah. as I started to get through high school too, sticking with Newcastle was a thing for me as well because I, I liked the fact that I went for someone different. I, I think that was my early starts of liking the footy banter. Yeah. Um, just having that ability to, yeah, have a bit of a go with your mates. Yeah. About Remind me, that's probably a bit of my story as well. Like, so my dad um, is a massive St. George Dragons fan, as are most of the Hurley family. Um, and he used to dress my brother and I up in Dragons gear, particularly like the early 90s when they played a few grand finals. And I kind of was like, I don't want to go for the Dragons anymore. I want to find my own team. And it took me a few teams before um, finding Newcastle. But I think it was that thing of like, I want to have a team that's different to everyone. Um, Because, yeah, there's not a lot of people, I guess, in the southwest of Sydney that do support Newcastle. Although I have discovered in recent years that there's more of us than, I guess, what there were when I was growing up. So... Oh yeah. It's so, it's so cool when you actually go out. I think I was at the shops last week in all this craziness and picking up some groceries and there was some guy in um, a Newcastle top and I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even know who you are, but you're a ledge. Like, <laughs> and, and I'm so compelled. I want to say stuff when I see people in night ski that I yeah. don't. And there's probably been a couple of times where I have, but I think um, the last few years, because we haven't gone so well, <laughs> sometimes like it, it. it's probably best we just, you know, toddle on, toddle on. <laughs> too depressing. It's too depressing. 
listeners a bit of context as to uh, Arabella and I where and when we are recording this. So we're doing this recording via Zoom because obviously the coronavirus is uh, pretty much taking over the globe as we speak. Um, And I guess, you know, the reason why I'm glad we're doing this episode today is probably more from a healing perspective for me and I think for you too because obviously as big sports nuts, we're really missing having some sport to watch. Oh, my God, yes. It's painful. But also, obviously, there's bigger things going on in the world so we fully understand why a lot of – well, I think nearly every league in the world has been cancelled. I don't think there's any top-tier – levels of sport going on in the in the world at the moment I wanted to know and I asked all my guests this of of the topic that we're talking about you know how does being a passionate sports fan bring you joy and happiness in your life I think one of the best things about being a sports fan and and finding that has been finding like my second family Mm. I feel social media has as much as it has its pros and cons has really had a big bunch of pros in expanding the network of people that you know yeah um, I've met so many people through footy um, be it other Knights fans be it fans from other clubs as well who just yeah. engaging with each other online um, and it's one of those things where you interact with those people and you're like oh like I interact with them online but I'll likely never meet them but that's not been the case. I've met probably at least a dozen, if not more, of the people that I've interacted with online about footy. And every single one of them have been absolutely amazing people, yourself included. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> and it's that that's just been one of the coolest yeah. things about it. Like you've just made friends that you might not necessarily have ever come across mm. generally in your life, but because you have that one big common thread, it's, yeah, yeah, it's just a second family. It's such a great feeling. Yeah. I think even um, we've only met once, um, which was a game that was really, (laughs) it's a game that we shall not speak about. (laughs) No, um, but we, we saw each other just prior to the game. So we went over to the the local leagues club and, and caught up for a drink with another friend, Josh. And when I went back to my mates who I was with and I was actually going over to the game with um one of them said to me oh how do you know those people and I was like Twitter and he just thought that was the funniest thing because <laughs> yeah on Twitter and I guess for a lot of people that maybe don't use social media the way that we have to interact about our different sports that we love they probably don't think that that's what you would do like Twitter's a social media thing why are you necessarily meeting these people in the flesh but he was like oh that's actually kind of cool that you do that I'm like yeah and this is the first time I met them but um I I think it's a really cool thing too because it shows that those relationships that you form online they're not just online in some cases and they can grow into something else which I think is really cool I think even if you look at like what you were saying just with that so you and um me and Josh obviously we met that first time at the leagues club but Josh is also a friend that I made through Twitter. Yeah. And that was probably like the second or third time we've hung out. Yeah. So there's that link there. And then I met Josh through other friends and I also met them through Twitter. So it's a network. Like if I hadn't met that first lot of friends, would I have ever then potentially met Josh, then potentially discussed you? Like it's a whole chain, but we've made some amazing friendships. Yeah. Um, And it, 
I think that's part and parcel with like supporting a sports team. It's nice to know that you have other people who you can like engage with and say, Oh, how great was that win? Or when there's drama going on going, Oh my God, like this is terrible. I just need (laughs) someone to vent about this with like the game that we went to and just going, this is absolutely miserable. Can we just go back to the leagues club? (laughs) Yeah. Can we just go drink? (laughs) That's all we need. Um, So I guess on the flip side of that, how does your love of sport help you deal with challenges and different obstacles that you face in your own life? I mean, I think it teaches us to be pretty resilient. I I think following any sports club means that you have to have a bit of a thick skin about things. Yes. Um, You know, with sports in general, like any, any other sort of game, it's, you're always going to have a winner and you're always going to have a loser and it's life is very much the same. You're not always going to win at life. There, there are going to be crappy times. There are going to be things that are, you know, turned upside down and um, it teaches you, I think supporting a team also teaches you that resilience. Like you get used to, it's terrible as it sounds, you get used to losing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you find better coping mechanisms and I feel like that stuff then translates into your real life and going, you know what? this is a bit of a crappy time, but I've got through all this other stuff. I can get through this too. And and these are the mechanisms and I've got a great support network and I've got people I can talk to. And that's part of what I was saying with the relationships that you make with these friends who also support this team is they, they, they become a second family. They also become a network for you to talk to and reach out to when your own life outside of, you know, the sports world is going a bit upside down. I know myself, like, especially with, even just what's going on now with coronavirus, so many people that we know from our little Knights network, you know, have been either publicly or privately just saying, hey, like, we're all going through a rough time. If you need anything, like, reach out. Well, yeah. you know, we're here. We're here for a chat. We're here to listen. If we, if, you know, we need some other help and we can help you, we'll do that. And there's something so powerful about that. It's a real um, oh, just restores faith in humanity. Like, yeah. I feel like especially in the current situation when there are some people doing some pretty stupid, selfish things, Mm. it just reminds you that there is some good in the world. There is some good, good people in the world. I think there's a couple of universal languages that bring us all together. And obviously something like music is one of them. And I think sport is one of them as well. Obviously different countries probably favor different sports more so than others. But I, I've found even when I've traveled, if you're meeting someone from a different country and having a conversation with them, generally it, sport is something that comes up. And, and I know even growing up in a, a really footy mad family, you know, when I was a kid and, and we'd be at family get togethers and at the dinner table and the lunch table, you know, we were all talking about sport and the kids could get involved in the conversations too. And I just think it is just a universal connection. And I think that's probably why we've seen, you know, so many people struggling with what we've seen the last couple of weeks. And obviously again, like what's going on in the world is, is bigger than sport. And we all know that, but I was pretty shattered the other day when they made the actual call to say the NRL was suspended because it just hit home that, oh shit, like something that I love and is an escapism for me is now not going to be here for, I don't know how long. And even just the thought of, uh, is the league going to survive this? Are the clubs going to survive? It was really sad. And I, I guess people maybe who don't like sport might not fully understand that, but 
I was pretty shattered. I don't know how you felt when the announcement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm equally shattered. I mean, for me, like you said, it is very much an escapism as well. Um, mm. Being a mum, it's, you know, I, I, I mean, I do take my kid to games with me as well and that's a big part of us. So that's, I guess, a second tier thing for me as to why it's a shattering thing. But I don't obviously take him to all games. I try to get to games to my, by myself as well. Yeah. Um, because it's an outlet for me to catch up with friends. So as a parent who works full time and, you know, has a four-year-old kid, it's, it, it can be so full on. So yeah, going to the football for half a day, um, you know, having someone look after him and babysit him gives me some adult time. Mm. Um, so there was that one element going, oh, I'm not going to be able to catch up with friends yeah. and I'm not going to football. I'm not going to be able to enjoy a couple of drinks and just get out of the house for a couple of hours and have an adult conversation. Yeah. But like I said, second tier is that me and my son Dante, like where I've turned him into another crazed Knights fan. <laughs> Sorry, Dante, if you listen to this in future, tough luck. Yeah. <laughs> You're one of us now. It's 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 too permanently drilled into you. You're done. Yep. We've uh, got the content. Done. We've You're seen done. the photos. You're a Knights. Nice yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and no, but he like he loves it so much. So I mean, one thing that uh, another footy friend of mine had said that you know, she kind of done with her son who's, you know, in his mid-20s now, mid to late 20s, was that was the thing that her and her son had during his teen years that bonded them. And I found that such a great concept and I couldn't work out to me why I was so adamant at trying to get my son to support the same team as me and not his dad's team. And then it, when I had that conversation with this friend, it really clicked to me. That was kind of it because having a boy, I have accepted the reality that at some stage he will probably not want to associate with mum. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be cool to associate with me. Um, we won't have those kind of things in common that he will have with his dad and other male figures in his life. Mm. Um, so I hope that our love for footy and our love for that mutual team will be so ingrained by that stage that we'll still have footy. Yeah. And that's been the hardest thing about now as well. Cause he is four he's so keen on the footy that he's just not grasping the fact that footy's not happening right now. So he's still looking at the little fixture magnet on our fridge and it's like, oh, we're supposed to verse this team today. And it's like, yeah, nobody, we're not. Yeah. We need no football and we can't go to the games. And that's, yeah, there's something pretty pretty sad about that because it is real quality time that me and him spend together of just get on our gear and watch the game. And he's even started, you know, a bit of the the banter and the mannerisms of yelling at the TV <laughs> while we're watching at home, going, tackle, come on! <laughs> like yelling, go Newcastle, or he loves Caelan Ponga and he, like, yeah. he identifies the number one jersey now and can see Caelan in his headgear and he'll be like, oh, it's Caelan! Oh. And there's something so um, just pure about that that's just really great to enjoy. Like it's, yeah. it's, a, it's just a whole nother element to watching the game when you see it through a kid's eyes like that. Yeah. Just how much they can love something that you love as well. Yeah. Oh, that's really special. It is. And it's pretty sad that at the moment it's, it's limited. So I've just kind of had to say to him, well, look, I'll try to like, we'll find old games. We'll, we'll go back and we'll watch yeah. old games. We'll make time to sit down every week and we'll watch 
some old games. This could be a really good history moment for him, you know. It will be. Go back through the archives. I, I like it. it. I'll be doing the same, but yeah. I'm going to just try to find all the good stuff. Yes. Yeah, positive first and then maybe, you know, if you're if you game, you could watch a few of the, the heartbreaker ones. <laughs> well, look, I think the first thing I'm going to find is the 2013 semi against Storm. Yes. And that's what we're going to watch. Oh, my goodness. I think that leads into my next question because I wanted to get some of your favourite moments of sport. And, and it doesn't just have to be Newcastle related, although I'm hoping that there's a lot in there but if there's some moments that over the years in any sport that you have just loved and that stick out as favorite for you yeah look it's like my Newcastle stuff is always going to be pretty much high up there Um, and I think we've had a few conversations I think everyone who's missing sports right now has been really discussing it it's been like a whole throwback sort of week everyone's clinging to any type of sports talk we can yep um yeah, moments like that, like I just said, that Storm semi, um, the final in 2013 against the Storm and us beating them in that, like, that. that I remember huge. that. Oh, it was so huge. And I remember everything about that. It's amazing that sport's so visceral. Yeah. Like that. Because we would, I was talking about it with another um, night fan on Twitter and he'd mentioned it and I was like, oh, my God, yes, like that's, Yes, I remember sitting in my lounge room at my dad's place because I still hadn't moved out of home yet. And I was on my couch with my legs crossed. I can remember the like the feeling in my chest, like the palpitations and the tightness as I watched this game with anticipation. I remember the feeling once we won, I'd like jumped up and I'd run around my lounge room. I was in tears absolute tears of joy because I was just like I can't believe we just fucking beat the storm shit in I Melbourne. just fall <laughs> in Melbourne no one ever beats yes. Melbourne in Melbourne yes yes and it was it, it's amazing how like that's 2013 we're 2020 now it's amazing that I could still yeah. feel that feeling of what watching that was like mm. likewise with um I mean I think you feel it with good games and bad games as well like another one that we talked about which was a great win was last season round one against the Sharks at home. Like that was such a good game as well. Mm. And you just, yeah, there's something really surreal about being at McDonald McDonald Jones Stadium and, you know, the team song coming on. Yeah. Long live the Newcastle Knights and everyone just singing that out at the top of their lungs. Like you end up with goosebumps. Like I I don't know how you can't Mm. stand there and not, feel that visceral reaction about what you're experiencing. Like you're with a whole bunch of other people. And I mean, we get some pretty good crowd numbers. So sometimes yeah. you're looking at like 20,000 people, you and 20 other thousand other people essentially have the same thing in common. Yeah. And are all on and the same page and are all yeah. excited about the same thing. It's yeah. And that's nuts in this day and age with us having so much going on and everyone being so busy to mm. think that people find the time to, you know, take three, four hours out of their day to all get together for this one thing. Yeah. It's pretty special. It is really special. And I think, and, and kind of going into my next question, of, you know, wanting to know what some of the toughest sporting moments you have experienced, I think is the same thing as well. And, you know, without going too much into it, but obviously Newcastle have had some really 
rough years and, and, you know, there were three in a row where we came last. Um, yeah. And it, it, it was horrible. But then there was also this, I don't know if you had the same feeling, but there was always this lingering feeling in me that when we come out the other side, it is going, it, like we're going to be okay. I do believe oh, yeah. that. And I mean, we're starting to see some of that, you know, we have recently, obviously last year ended pretty poorly as well, but um, there were certain improvements I think anyone could see in comparison to some of the previous years. But I, I just think even in those darkest days and those worst moments, I still, and I guess it is just your love for your club where you're like, no, we're going to come out of this and we are going to be okay and we're all together in it. So there's a nice feeling even when it is really tough. Yeah, I think it's that internal optimism. Like you just have to supporting any club go, well, surely it's not going to be bad forever. Yeah. Like it can't be. At some stage, it it has to go on the up. And I think that's the mentality you kind of take as a a sports fan. Yeah. But yeah, there were some pretty dark, like obviously there were some pretty dark times. Mm. Our club clearly went through a spate of really bad results. Um, And then management behind the scenes and everything else. You know, there was a lot going on. And that was really a couple of difficult years, I guess, for the club, for the players and for the fans. Yeah. Um, But I think for me, one of the key moments that I will never forget, and it was another thing I was discussing online, was the Rise for Alex round game. Yes. In 2014, I'm pretty sure it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I made the trip from Sydney to Newcastle to be there for that Mm. uh, the season before. And I think that's what was so strange about even the discussion about the 2013 game because Alex played that season and he played really well yeah he had a great game watching highlights I went back and watched a, a little snippet highlights on YouTube of that that storm game in 2013 and it had snippets of Alex and I gotta admit when I re-watched when I was having that discussion a couple of nights back and I re-watched that little nine minute snippet mm. and it had some little footage of Alex I kind of had this like real bittersweet feeling. Yeah. Because I was like, that was, he was performing so well. And then knowing, you know, what you know now, looking back, going, this is what was coming up the next season. Going to that game was just something else. I mean, everyone wanted us to win that game and it was against the Titans and for all intents purposes, we really should have won that game. Yeah. It shouldn't have been hard to beat the Titans, but it's a discussion I've had with a lot of people that I just think mentally that season, Mm. everyone took a hit. Yeah. I just think most of the team mentally couldn't get their head in the game after Alex's injury. Something so one uplifting about seeing a whole community be there in support of this player and, and a horrific, you know, unfortunate injury caught me that game you yes. had all that uplifting stuff right at the beginning and, and you could see that a community was was getting behind um this player it was more than just you know fans and players and a, a club it, it's a it's a family yeah but, and it was also so shattering seeing how absolutely defeated everyone looked from yeah. players to staff to fans at the end of that game when we lost yeah and i, I think Looking back, that I know 2015 we started off okay with Rick Stone coming back as the yeah. coach, but I know them we fell pretty hard, and that was the first of the three 
wooden spoons in a row. So I, I actually look back because I've kind of revisited that moment, the rise for Alex round recently myself. And because I'd forgotten that we lost the game. It's weird how yeah. people's memories Block pick up on things. I, I think I'd blocked it out because my visuals of that game, when I think about it, are when all the players were lined up at the start yeah. singing the anthem or whatever, and Alex was next to them in his wheelchair. I oh, still my God. I got goosebumps you just saying that. Like I can almost see myself back in in the stadium and in the GA seat, like in my GA seats right at the fence line on the Southern Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember a photo that was captured of Willie Mason giving Alex a kiss on the head just before they all ran on to play. And I think, I I mean, I I wouldn't want to put that kind of um, level of, everything went to shit once that happened. But I think the long-term impacts of such a horrible injury and, you know, life-changing moment for this young man, I think the impacts that that had on the club overall, plus everything else that was going on behind the scenes that we all weren't really privy to, I look back and go, I think that's when things started to go a little bit awry. Because as you said, the year before, we'd had such a great year and we made the final, beating Melbourne in that semi so, yeah, I, I think that whole period, I kind of look back from about, yeah, 2014 up until 2018. And even, as I said, last year didn't end so great. But I think there's like a period of four or five years there where I, I kind of, it is a bit of a blur because it all started meshing into one and it was one average performance after one average performance. And I think it just got a little too much at times. And maybe that's just my way of coping with it. Like, I'm going to block that out. (laughs) (laughs) If if I can't remember it, it surely didn't happen. It didn't happen, surely. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, even that 2013 season, like we were talking, the loss to the Roosters the week after was wasn't even, like it wasn't a terrible loss. Like Mm. I'm pretty sure the scoreline wasn't, too far off I can't remember what it was to be honest but yeah. I don't think it was far off like we we fought competitively so yeah. everything looked like it was going to be a great 2014 season mm. um I'm very much of the belief that Alex's injury was a big turning point um that's just my observation I mean you know yeah. like we said we know there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that we weren't privy to but we know that Wayne Bennett was really close with Alex back from the playing days at St. George. Um, and, you know, he came out in articles in the paper at the time and said just how close he was with Alex and, you know, yeah. that he felt he was a son. So I feel like I don't think Wayne's head was in the game after that. Mm. And I'm, I think I'm, a lot of the players that were probably close to Alex um, at the time likewise. as well, same. You know, and I, I kind of think... Part of me, even though obviously very disappointed that there isn't any NRL at the moment and no sport in general, but I was getting a little bit worried um, with all the talk of the New Zealand Warriors having to stay in the country if the season yeah. continued. I, I thought we could, you know, and they're, they're a bit of a, a butt of jokes, the Warriors at times. You know, a lot of people kind of... Rocks and rip- diamonds. Yeah, and they've been one of the more inconsistent teams of, you know, the last 20 years, let's be honest. But... I kind of felt like if this season was to continue and they were stuck here in this country making this big sacrifice for us, what's the long-term impact that's going to have not only on the players and the coaching staff but on the club as a whole and obviously their families back home? And I think in a way there's probably some relief there 
for that club with the the season being suspended because I as much as I don't see them if the season comes back making much of an impact on the top eight or anything like that I, I I think it would have a real effect if they were forced to stay here and pretty much give up their normal lives to play footy in this really unknown period so um, yeah, they're making a massive sacrifice to be away from their family, and and I'm not I'm sure a lot of them have kids, and being away from their kids, like I have a kid myself, like it's crazy that even within a couple of weeks, like your kids change and grow so much. So being away for potentially months because the season goes on for you know several months, mm. um, that idea of being away for that long is is absolutely insane. I wouldn't want to think you know, that the emotional and, and mental impacts that that would have on those players. Yeah. But again, they're in that situation too, where I guess they would have been looking at the financials going, well, if we don't stay in play, we're not getting paid. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a really tough decision to be in too, going, well, I either stay and I'm away from my family, but I'm supporting my family financially, or I go back to my family, but then we have to work out all our finances. It's, yeah. It was a really tough situation. So, yeah, I guess from that perspective, it's probably a good thing that the season was suspended. But I guess we get back to the overall conversation about um, the NRL in general and the fact that the conversations have been had in the media that the game realistically can't survive more than a three-month suspension. Like, they just don't have enough in their... I'm going to use the phrase, and we've all heard it, the war chest. The war chest. Um, <laughs> that we don't have enough in the kitty to survive. And I think that's where a lot of us have just been like, what? Yeah. That's where How? I know my anxiety around this being cancelled, I think, is coming from. That's scary to me. I, I mean, if I have to, I can handle not watching my team play. If it has to be all year, I will get over that. But I think if if this has a real impact of loss of clubs and loss of the you know I guess the fundamentals of how we know the game I think that's the thing that is really painful and I think it scares a lot of people I don't think a lot of us are understanding how we're in that kind of a situation and I think um and obviously you're an NFL fan as well Arabella and you know you would probably know a bit more about the situation going on over there, but there's obviously been no talk really of the financial strain. Not that I've heard on like the NFL and the NBA because they, um, they have all this money and I guess it's just this complete, you know, um, flip when you talk about even AFL here in this country and obviously the smaller sports too, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a netball fan. I worry about what impact this is going to have on our, um, our league here in Australia and, and even like the AFL women's competition. But yeah, has there been any talk in the States that you've heard like around the NFL of what financial impact this is, this will have? No, to be honest, no. And, um, coming into April is so we're basically almost there now is when NFL draft happens. So that's it, usually their season where they, you know, have drafting players and, and player switches and, and yeah. whatever else. And there's a lot of contract negotiations at this time. Yeah. Free agents are in free agency at the moment. So I've been eyeing off um, Seattle and seeing what they're doing with regards to player movement. Mm. Um, but we're talking, these guys are on massive money. Like they're multi-million dollar contracts. Yeah. Russell Wilson, who's our quarterback, is pretty sure, 
pretty sure last year, I can't even think what he signed for. Something like ridiculous, wasn't 58 it? <laughs> million over some amount of years. And I think he's now the highest paid quarterback yes. in the league. It's, you know, it's a drop in the ocean compared to the money we're talking about with NRL. Um, and that's the debate that I've had with people online. Like I made some sort of comments going, how, how, how is the NRL in this kind of situation? Like, why are we only got enough money to survive for three months? Like how have we not better planned at the end of the end of the day, NRL is a business. Yeah. Um, businesses are, are there for profit. You know, you're supposed to have biz, business contingency plans. Like how, <laughs> how is this a successful business model if, mm. if three months is all you've kind of got to back off? And I'm not trying to bag the NRL. It was, it's purely just a question of wonder. And I compared it to the fact that, yeah, you haven't had those talks in the NFL and the NBA. Yeah. And a lot of people were really quick to jump on that and say, well, you know, you're talking about things that are completely different because there's so much money in those games compared to here. And yeah, that's right. Like the States are obviously vastly bigger in population, which means that they have, you know, they have some really wealthy backers who throw a lot of money into this stuff, but then you need to compare it comparatively here in Australia. Like, yeah, our population is much smaller than the U S but to our game here, the money is probably relative when yes. we're talking about it like that on comparison. So the the concept still stands. Why have we not got better planning? Because these mm. other big leagues internationally obviously have better planning in place that they're not concerned. Yeah. I mean, I've seen posts because I follow obviously a few of the football players that I um, like from both my NFL and my college team and see a lot of them personally these players are like making donations to their their local towns like food bank and we're not talking like oh a couple of thousand dollars like we're talking pledges of like a million dollars to help their local areas food bank to help their citizens like get through coronavirus so you know where we're having the discussions now in the nrl going oh players could potentially be looking at an 85 percent pay cut it's really concerning yeah and i think uh, you know, as you said, obviously the, the, we're vastly different economies and countries, but um, Adam O'Brien, the Newcastle Knights coach, he was on uh, Fox Leave Live this morning. I, I watched a little bit of it and um, he said, obviously, he's, he's got a bit of downtime <laughs> at the moment. So oh, just, just a bit. Yeah, just a bit. And uh, he's kind of looking at um, because one of the questions uh, one of the guys asked him was just around, you know, how are you going to keep players motivated to train and, and all that kind of stuff? And he said, I'm, I'm looking a bit towards some of the practices of some of the clubs in the NFL and how they go about, you know, their sports science and all that. He's like, I'm paying close attention to what they're doing. I, I think there is a little lesson in that, that obviously we are different. And as I said before, our economies are different and and whatnot, but I think we should always be looking to better our practices and our processes. And if we're, if we want to be, you know, big and we want to go big and continue to, to be that empire that I guess we think we are in the NRL, we need to look at how these big corporations overseas are running their businesses. And I think there is a bit of a lesson in that, maybe for us here in Australia. So absolutely. I mean, I think it takes the general, you know, principle of dream big yeah. to life. Like you can't 
you can't be just looking at your local and 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 looking at the what's right in front of you and going oh yeah well you know it, it will grow it will be organic like yes yeah, some of the growth is going to be organic but you also need to look bigger picture and go okay how can we make ourselves what we want to be if this is our vision board of where we want to go with that how are we going to get there what's the most you know successful path of getting there and yeah look at other people who have got where you want to go you're supposed to the old quote of like standing on giant shoulders you know you gotta you gotta look outside for other people and how they've made that successful for you to make it successful i think as i said earlier we have a lot of time on our hands now so maybe this is a moment of reflection for corporations like the nrl to be like how can we do things better how can we change? Or if we have to, how do we now start from scratch and do it in a way that is going to be sustainable for the future and in case something like this ever happens again? Not be all doom and gloom. There's obviously <laughs> been some discussions. We're just really freaking depressed right now with all this people isolation. <laughs> some positive stuff in a minute. I don't <laughs> but that's what I was going to say. Like some of the discussion, again, it was sort of a bit... I don't like saying like not my time, but I mean, I was very young when it was happening, but the Super League wars um, with that, with the ARL and the Super League, um, you know, a game survived that time. Yes. And that's been some of the conversation I've seen online and it's a real valid point. Like Mm. the game was in a real weird point there. So if, if we could survive that, I'd like to think that, you know, we're not going to lose this game. We will survive. It's just really dependent on, like we said, what the structure is going to be. Is it, is it going to be the game as we know it now or is it going to need to change? I think that's a really nice point to finish our corona banter on. <laughs> just that, you know, it can get through this and it can survive and, you know, we will game. all have beers together again soon. Yes, that's really what I was getting at. Let's be real. <laughs> Although, just, you know, for the listeners um, that are tuning in or will tune in when this episode airs, we are both having a beer right now, virtual beers. Yes. So cheers, cheers to that. Um, so I guess, you know, going off some of the, the current events, um, you know, that doom and gloom stuff, I want to know a bit about how you balance all the facets of your life. Obviously, you're a mum and you work and you have a lot of other hobbies and interests, but then you're also really invested in your sport. How do you balance all those facets of your life? Oh, look, I'll be real with the <laughs> listeners. It's a struggle sometimes. Um, I'm no super mum or superhuman by any stretch. <laughs> um, but I think it's it's about accepting that you're trying to find a balance. You know, you need to understand that you're not always going to get it. And I've also had to learn to um, readjust my expectations on things. Yeah. I suffer from anxiety. Um, so I'm a classic overthinker. Um, and I think part of that... Um, probably an A-type personality. So a lot of my, I'm very much focused on perfectionism. Mm -hmm. So even some things of like my obsessive need to do the dishes when there's dishes there because (sighs) it's the shit out of me if they're not done. (laughs) I've had to learn to just let that go. Like crazily enough, I did most of my dishes last night and I left like a fry pan in the sink overnight well done that was a big deal for me and then I realized that there was actually also a tray like a, a 
a Pyrex dish in the oven because I'd made some <laughs> potatoes that I'd forgotten about too. So then when oh, I washed no. it, <laughs> when I washed the like the pan up this morning, I was like, okay, cool. That that's done. And then I was like, oh damn, I have the Pyrex dish. So that's currently soaking in my sink. But it's little things like that to go. You know what? I am tired. I'm exhausted. It's more important for me to have 15 minutes of me time right now than to sit there and worry about those dishes right now. Like, it's not a massive deal. There's no one here to judge me on that. And you know what? Even if there is someone here to judge me on that, beep them. Like, it's not important. Oh, you can swear on this. (laughs) Fuck them. (laughs) You know, it's, it's just about, you know, that balance. I mean, I've sort of learned a bit more about myself Mm. um I've got this app I think it's calm maybe Mm -hmm. I've found some like meditation real like music and um I've tried to like use that a bit for myself to have some downtime especially with corona now I'm finding I want to be on social media and I want to be on the news and I want to be hearing what's going on yes but it is so negative yeah that you kind of it's really physically draining yes i find that by like 9 30 10 o'clock at night especially after like the pm's oh. cabinet meetings and then his addresses can and then sitting back going, having them at night <laughs> yeah, can you stop doing them this late i can't go <laughs> and just so like just yeah. drained that i need to then do something that just takes my mind off all the thinking that I'm doing about all that stuff and just Mm. brings it back to something really simplistic to relax me. And that's actually one really amazing thing that again, Seattle has done. And I think that's part of the beauty of um, having that sort of online network is Seattle has this really amazing um, sports psychologist and I'm, not going to be able to remember his name right now, That's okay. but I follow his handle mm-hmm. on Twitter and he's very much about mindfulness. So he has a podcast and I, um, another Knights friend who's also a Seattle's fan, Matt, mm-hmm. um, had recommended this podcast because okay. he'd done two episodes with Pete Carroll, who's Seattle's coach. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about mindfulness and how coach Pete uses that in his coaching style towards the players. And there was also another episode specifically with one of their players, um, Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Um, and the same thing, it was all this talk about mindfulness and how they find that balance. And um, that's one of the things that they've reposted lately is this video using Seattle's mascot Blitz, mm-hmm. um, bringing that out to the whole kind of Seattle fan 12s, as we call ourselves. Yes. Um, bringing it out to the 12s and just trying to get them to all engage in some meditation and mindfulness at the moment. Amazing. And it's really useful. Um, it's, it was this nine minute clip on YouTube. It's great seeing like the mascot blitz sort of sitting there in a chair and looking like he's doing the meditation and mindfulness stuff, but it was really just about getting in that zone and channeling your breathing and just listening to your breathing and just focusing on the breathing and I think that's just great. Again, it's, it's like I said, it's a sports thing, but they're going, Hey, we have this facility. This is something that we try to bring to our players in this difficult time. We want to bring that out to our fans because we know that everyone could use this stuff and we'll put it out there 
for those who want to get involved. Yeah. So I was like tagging a whole bunch of people and they're going, Hey, you know what? I don't know about you, but that's something I kind of need in my life right now mm. because we all just need a bit of just wind down time. Yeah. Calm is really good. I've, I haven't used the app in a while, but there was a period there where I was using it to kind of frame my just daily mindfulness practices. And I, I, there was a, a small period there where they've got some, um, they call them sleep stories. Mm-hmm. And it, it just helps, like you kind of listen to it, you know, as you're trying to get to sleep. And, I, you know, I obviously don't recommend people using their phones too much, but I would kind of like sit it next to my bed on like my dresser. And I it do would, the exact same. Like, yeah, and it would just play different um, stories. And obviously they've got people that have very soothing voices to read these stories about the stars and the moon and it sounds a bit wanky but (laughs) it honestly (laughs) um it really helped me there was a a small period there where I was finding myself like struggling to just fall asleep when I was tired and I'm not normally like that and this was a a couple of years ago and I it was really helpful and I'm now I'm like maybe I might need to revisit those during this time so yeah I'll shoot you a a message with the one that I'm using yes. it's not even a voice it's this uh, I think it's called serenity it's a particular oh. thing it's a sound and it's a 30 minute audio so that's basically what I do I, I turn it on and then I my phone locks and I put it on my bedside yep. table yeah and once it stops playing it just stops it doesn't yeah. keep running it turns off oh perfect um, and I just put that on like once I get into bed and I've, I've cleared off all my notifications which we inevitably do even yep. though we, you know, they say no phone for 30 minutes prior to bed that's never gonna happen but I'll then turn that on I'll sort of put it on my bedside table and I'll just lie down and try to channel my breathing and just listen to that and I find a lot of the times that I then crash out before the 30 minutes is even up amazing and it's yeah I just find it's really good to just take yourself back and just try to put everything else aside because at the end of the day your problems are still good as, as negative as that they're still gonna be there tomorrow yeah of course but you know, sleep is so essential yeah. um, to everything. It really, a bad night's sleep. I mean, I had a bit of insomnia last night. I only got three hours sleep. So it throws you off completely. And, and having that back to back has so much effect. So I think it's really important for everyone now to just, yeah, appreciate just how um, important mindfulness is. It's something that I guess a term that I've only really recently sort of come across and, and yeah. kind of start to grasp, but it's really important. Well, we are at the last part of the podcast episode, which is a bit of a shame because I do feel like we could talk all day. <laughs> oh, we totally could. And we probably I will. Totally will. <laughs> we probably will. After this finishes recording, we're going to continue our Zoom chat because this is how people socialize at the moment. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. Um, so I always like to get my guests just to sum up how they love the shit out of the topic that we've spoken about. So Arabella, if you can sum up how you love the shit out of being a sports fan. Look, it's, it's a part of me. Like I just don't know what my life would be like without sports. Mm. I mean, I, I struggle to even remember a time now and I know that it existed when I didn't have sports in my life. Like it is just so fundamentally a part of me now that I would seriously be lost without it, which is pretty much all of us, which is why it's also stressful right now. Yeah. Look, I just, I bloody love it. I love going to the game and being an absolute nutter 
and screaming at the top of my lungs. I love being at home and being an absolute nutcase and yelling at my effing TV. Like, (laughs) you know, I have no qualms at doing that. No. I don't care. I love having a bloody beer with my mates and just absolutely talking shit. That's That's what being a fan's about. Um, you know, it's, I think that's the best thing about being a chick who likes sports too. Mm. It throws so many guys off. They're just like, oh, I feel like they think that you're just kind of there and you probably don't know much about the game. Yeah. And then you actually start talking. They're like, shit, this chick knows what she's fucking talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah, mate, I do. Like sports is for us too. And I fucking love that about where our sport has been heading other than 2020, obviously being a bit of a dent in everyone's sports is in mm. women's sports. Yes. Like the NRLW is just fucking amazing. And I cannot talk that up enough. And yeah. even I've started a job like six months ago. So, you know, you still get to learn like people that's outside your team. You're sort of, you know, you're still sort of learning and associating with them. And mm. they're, the footy season having started very briefly um I'd obviously started talking to some other colleagues outside my team about football you know Mm. because you overhear them talking and they're blokes and you're like oh football talk I'm just gonna shove myself in this conversation (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love it yeah I'm like I don't I don't care I don't care what you if you were just talking amongst yourself like I'm just going to interject here because I want to and it's not really optional I don't care I'm doing it anyway it's like your ears prick up like when yeah. NRL, like it happens in my office sometimes when I'm like, who said footy? What was that? <laughs> what, what, what? I'm here for this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And one of the guys, um, he goes to St. George. Mm. And, you know, he's saying obviously again, St. George has had a bad couple of years. And I said to him, have you, have you watched the NRLW? And he's like, honestly, no, I haven't. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, Should. get on it. Like I was paid for a foundation membership for St. George for the women's team. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Love it. Love the St. George women's team. Obviously would love the Knights to have their own women's team someday. And I'm sure that will happen. But I will probably support all the women's clubs anyway, because they all totally deserve it. Yeah. But I said to him, like the St. George women's team is absolute quality. And I said, the quality of the game is absolutely amazing like you I think a lot of people don't expect it to be mm. as but pace and hard hitting as the men's game but it absolutely is like these yeah. women are just nuts and they're doing what you know the old 90s footballers are doing you know they they aren't getting paid like our no. first grade NRL players they're having other jobs outside of this yes. my mums they're trying to juggle everything as well as doing this thing that they love um, so yeah, I co- I com- convinced him. He's like, yep, okay, that's it. Like he goes, since my NRL team ain't doing that great, it'd be great to have one side of my team that actually is successful. I'm like, well, mate, get on St George get women's team it. because yeah, they're doing really great things, and I can't wait for that season to come back when yeah. we do get back, so I can see those girls get on the, the park again. Like with all women's sport at the moment, it's starting to get the attention that it deserves. Um, getting the accolades that it deserves and you know I'm an AFL fan and obviously the Sydney Swans who I support they don't have uh, a women's team in the AFLW at the moment but hasn't stopped me from watching the games and supporting the teams and you know I, I just think we need to keep supporting those things because at the end of the day 
sport to me, and, and, you know, we've touched on a lot of different things about what sport means to people and everything. Sport is inclusive and it's, oh, it's meant to just be for everyone. And we're seeing that so much more in professional sport now. And it's, it's just the best. And I think it's, it's also with what's happening now, that's one of the things that I'm also upset about is that we're not getting to see these wonderful women playing these different sports and, and growing and developing even more. And it's been kind of halted for a bit. That, that's disappointing. It is disappointing. But I think, I think if anything, I mean, I know we, we talked about the NRL and our fear about what might happen in the future. And, and obviously that's a very valid point for any of the women's games, be it the NRLW or the, you know, AFLW. Yeah. But I think these women have fought so hard to get to be able to play at that level. And I feel like ain't nothing taking that away from them. Yeah. Like they will fight tooth and nail to yes. make sure that this game continues on. Um, so that leaves me with a lot of confidence that, yeah, we will still see this product going forward um, because, yeah, the perseverance on these women is just absolutely insane. Like having gone to a few games last year for the NRLW, going to the Women's Origin game at North Sydney Oval, like um, I've talked to Jess Surges twice, um, met Kezi Apps as well. Like these women are just awesome. Yeah. Like, awesome awesome women yeah um, it's it's yeah it's so cool it's also so cool to think that we're a part of that generation who's seen the beginning of this yes like yeah. given our age I feel like you know you never really thought you'd see the beginnings of some type of sport because most sports are so they've been around really great and already existed. <laughs> yeah they've been existing for ages so to think like that's why when the option came for the nrlw to become a foundation member even though it wasn't my team um i was like no it it was one very much fundamentally about supporting women's sports but two i was like when are you ever really getting the chance to become a member of something at the ground floor yeah like i want to look back on this in 20 to 30 years and go yeah like here's my member certificate and my members pin for the mm. foundation year because look at the game now. Like you'd never think that, and I'm hoping that's what we're looking at going, you know, this is a well-established game, just like the men, the men's game yes. and go, Hey, like my kids won't know a time where this was ever, you know, a struggle. And I'll be like, yeah. well, I got on the ground floor of that because these women deserve that. And look where we've taken it now. There's a shitload of positives. Yeah. To look at. Well, that gives me a lot of hope. I think I needed to hear that. <laughs> All warm and fuzzy. Maybe that's just the beer talking. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so the last thing that I always ask my guests is what are some other things that you love the shit out of? It doesn't have to be sport related. Please share some of your other hobbies and interests. I absolutely love dance. Yes. Um, something we're well aware of. Um, <laughs> if you, if you I follow kind of, Arabella on Twitter, you'll know the don't do that. her TikToks last <laughs> night. <laughs> I don't recommend it, people. Don't do it. Um, but, yeah, no, look, dance was a big thing for me. I had always, as a kid, wanted to go to a dance studio um, and learn dance. It wasn't an opportunity that came to me, unfortunately. Um, my parents just couldn't afford it financially. Mm. Um, so it's something I basically did through high school um, when we had our own sort of high school competitions against other schools. That was my kind of first exposure to dance. Um, and then 
not last year, it was the two years prior to that. So 2017, 2018, um, at 27 and 28 years old and having a child, yeah. I found a local studio who would take me on board and I went and did two years in a studio and it was something I absolutely loved, um, you know, going from kind of a self-taught dancer to actually being in a studio and, and having someone who saw the love that you have for that um, that particular thing and was willing to help grow it and not put a lot of what is very ingrained in the dance world is just like, okay, well, you're over 25, so you're done yeah. and dusted now. Like this is not something, <laughs> but not something you should be doing. And it's like, no, this, this studio owner was great. And she had a kid and she's like, no, like totally happy. Let's, let's make it work. And it's such a creative outlet that I love. Um, my Twitter followers will know as well. I love painting. I'm very creative. So I recently started doing that again. It's another nice outlet to just, yeah, decompress from the world. And the other thing everyone will definitely know who follows me on Twitter, I absolutely love cooking just as much as I love eating. So <laughs> cooking. Um, I go hand in hand. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. Um, I am not looking forward to getting older because I feel like that is going to work to my detriment, especially with my beer drinking. Um, <laughs> I don't think beer bellies are attractive on women. I don't think that's a go, but hey. Attractive on anyone, but you know. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> my care factor is absolutely zero. Yes. Potato bake and pasta and beer, carb life forever. Oh my um, But no, I love doing those things there things that I enjoy. I don't know what it is about cooking. I know for a lot of people it's a chore and they don't enjoy it so much. Um, I like it. It's not a chore for me. I like creating things. I like testing myself to try new things and learning new skills. Um, I, I apparently make cakes now. I didn't know that I could make cakes. I, some, okay, I can make cakes, but apparently I burn cupcakes. I oh. don't know how that works. Hey, okay. I can't, I can't cook cupcakes for shit. <laughs> so all. anyone who knows me, don't ask me for cupcakes because I can't do that. Julie knows but, <laughs> but I can make a cake. So again, another friend from Twitter, um, Anna, shout out, love you. Um, you know, Anna and her amazing now husband, Matt, they got married in October last year. I met them both through Twitter. They're both mm. great friends now. Um, I made their wedding cake. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> it was insane. And I was super duper freaking proud with how it turned out. Um, and then I made my son a Batman cake in December because kid wanted Batman and I didn't want to spend $200 on a cake. But yeah, apparently crazy. I can do cakes now. Oh, um, it's, there's something really fun about learning a new skill like that. And I think the other thing about food is it's about bringing people together. And I think mm. there's nothing more um, rewarding than having a group of people together and cooking a big meal for them and having everyone sit across from each other and one other than the fact enjoying the food that you've um, created for them. Yeah. But that community and that conversation and that connectedness. And that's why I can't wait for coronavirus to be over so I can have everyone over and, and cook a big bloody feast <laughs> so we can all just eat and stuff our faces, drink beer and like hug yes. and watch some footy. Watch some footy. Oh, well, I think that is a wonderful note to leave the episode on. Arabella, it's been so good speaking with you and it has been good for the soul and I really do look forward to those beers and food once all this madness is over. So thank you for being on the show.
No, thank you for having me. I've loved the chat. It's been fantastic. Thank you for loving the shit out of life with me. Don't forget to like the How to Love the Shit Out of Life Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. And if you don't already have a copy of How to Love the Shit Out of Life, the book, you can purchase it now through most major bookstores. Till next time. Thank you.